Welcome to Paint Ed. PCA provides painting contractors with connections they need to grow their business. To find out more and to become a member, visit PCAPainted.org. Find more great content like this on PCA Overdrive. A subscription to the platform is included with membership. For all of you non-members out there, sign up for a free trial. PCA Overdrive is available on the App Store and Google Play. This episode is brought to you by 3M, PPG, and Breakthrough Academy. Welcome to the Painter Marketing Mastermind Podcast, a show created to help painting company owners build a thriving painting business that does well over $1 million in annual revenue. I'm your host, Brandon Pierpont, founder of Painter Marketing Pros and creator of the popular PCA educational series, Learn, Do, Grow, Marketing for Painters. In each episode, I'll be sharing proven tips, strategies, and processes from leading experts in the industry on how they found success in their painting business. We will be interviewing owners of the most successful painting companies in North America and learning from their experiences. In this series titled Big Commercial Growth, Dave Scaturo of Alpine Painting and Sandblasting Contractors will be sharing how he has grown his commercial painting company to becoming one of the largest contractors on the East Coast and the advice he has for companies looking for ambitious growth in the commercial painting space. In episode one, Dave discussed how to conduct effective commercial painting marketing, including some unique strategies and tactics that Alpine Painting utilizes. In episode two, this episode, Dave is going to outline how you can set up your company structure for big time growth. And in the final episode, episode three, Dave will deep dive into finding, training, and mentoring new leaders within your organization. If you want to ask Dave questions related to anything in this podcast series, you can do so on our exclusive Painter Marketing Mastermind Podcast Forum on Facebook. Just search for Painter Marketing Mastermind Podcast Forum on Facebook and request to join the group. Or type in the URL, facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash Painter Marketing Mastermind. Again, that URL is facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash Painter Marketing Mastermind. There you can ask Dave questions directly by tagging him with your question so you can see how anything discussed here applies to your particular painting company. Welcome back, Dave. Hey, Brandon, how are you? I am good, man. I'm always good when I'm talking with you. Uh, um, you say that to all the guys you handle. I don't all, I don't say it to all the guys. I said, uh-huh. I say it to maybe like four of them. Okay. So Just the four in, of us, the ones you're in, on, good all company. the other ones. Yeah. You stay away I like from. talking to more than one person, but you're one of the people <laughs> I like talking to. <laughs> hey, so we're going big today. You know that, right? We're going big. Dude, I wouldn't have it any other way. Let's go. Let's go. Who wants to grow their business? Right. So yeah, if you do, listen up. We got this, some we got some tips on how to do it. This is it, man. This um, is it. Yeah, I mentioned you. I mentioned you in my presentation before we dive in here. So I just got back from Aww, the reboot. Appreciate you. Yeah, I said uh I said we're shooting a uh filming a podcast together, but I brought up I brought up what you talked about with the target markets. So how you said you have a bunch of different target markets, and then we were talking about messaging and the sales process and how it should really be a uh consultative sales process. Yep. So I talked about how you have a specific message with a specific landing page with a specific portfolio and all of that for, you know, if you're targeting a church versus an industrial complex versus, a, you know, multifamily, et cetera. Thank you. Let's get the word out. Let's help out our, our fellow painting brethren. Yeah. So what's, this what's, one, the, what's the saying? Rising tide raises all ships. That's what we're doing today. It's something like that. Yeah. So this one, we're going to talk about company structure. You run a you run a much bigger company than most of our listeners. You run a, a yep. quite sizable company. So I think you'll have a lot of pretty neat insights to share. That may not be applicable from day one. We can kind of maybe back into that. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. I think it always starts with, okay, what does a really big, well-functioning company look like? Where am I right now? And then you can kind of start to map that out if you do want to get to that level of growth. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I look. There's all different levels. It's it's just, I guess, how you compare yourself um, to the rest of the contractors out there. I mean, I, I sat alongside some contractors at the last commercial contractor event through PCA that were four or five times my size, and you know, I like to think that we're a larger contractor, but it's all perspective. You know, it's. Sure. Um, I think you have to find the right company size growth for your comfort level, for your family, for your team. Um, there's, 
there's no one size fits all here. There's no bigger is necessarily better either. Um, so we're going to talk about that. But, you know, I think the goal for most is growth overall, right? Because if you're not growing year over year, you're probably dying. You're probably going backwards. You have to be focused on growth to some degree. At what level? Well, and, and how fast? You know, I think that's really up to the to the individual. Um, but I will tell you, we're in the people business, Brandon. And without the right people by your side, you're not going to grow because you can't do it all yourself. That's for certain. Yep. Yeah, I want to, before we kind of get into your org chart, which is, I think would be a good place to start. But before we get into that, I very much agree with you. If you're not growing, you're dying. You know, you're either always getting better or getting worse. There is no static in this world. So let's say... And I bring this up because, again, at Contract Reboot, someone actually brought up a, um, they were talking about different painting companies' goals. And this one painting company had the goal of being at 4.5 million in three years, in five years, and in 10 years. So the goal is just to stay at four and a half million, which maybe that's, maybe that's actually what they want. But if you were, if you were talking to someone who, let's say, did want to stay at their current size, mm. knowing that, there, there might be churn or attrition, you know, attrition of some kind or unexpected things happen. What would you recommend in terms of a growth goal if they didn't actually want to get that much bigger, but they also recognize, you know, we're spinning around like a billion, a billion, you know, miles a second throughout the universe, you know, the earth and, and nothing is static. We're, we're on a moving, spinning, flying ball. Uh, and so the, the idea of staticness, it just really doesn't exist. Yeah, I'd caution them, right? I think you should always be growing your company like you should be growing as an individual. You should be growing your team. You should be growing your business. Um, that concept of continuous education is important, um, but it, it, should be, it should be slow and controlled. That's what I encourage my team. That's what I encourage anybody that'll listen that you don't want to grow to the point where you have so many growing pains that you can't deliver on your promises, that you're not in line with your, your core values anymore. So every, every decision to grow should be measured. Um, you should be analyzing what's working, what's not, because if you grow too fast, too soon, something's going to give and you're going to end up uh, not sleeping at night. You're going to end up having these growing pains that hurt so bad that you're going to want to reconsider some of your future decisions. So yeah. Slow and controlled growth is always the key for us, at least. You can definitely expedite some of that attrition and negativity if you grow too quickly and you don't have your operations in the loop. Dave, yeah. what is that behind you on the desk? That thing that looks like a spilled paint can. Thing that looks like a, oh, it is a spilled paint can. Is it? You just leave <laughs> yeah. it? Yeah. Yeah, I just, you know what? I just dumped it down one day and I'm like, and, uh, didn't didn't go over it. It's a, it's, it's a, a mock spilled paint can. It's an old Conlux spilled paint can. It's one of the many companies that Sherwin-Williams acquired throughout the years. And there's a funny family story for us uh, that holds true. And that's why I keep that little piece of history around. I love it. Yeah, I, uh, I had seen it on our last episode. And I meant to bring it up afterwards because I was like, I'm I'm almost certain that that's a prop, that it, it'd be a random thing <laughs> to sit in there and spill. But I don't yeah. want to bring it up in case there actually is a spilled paint can no. behind Dave right now. Then I forgot. And then it's here several weeks later. So I figured it's probably a prop. Probably I actually, we have, we have little pieces of paint history throughout our entire office. That's one of them. One that you can't see above that on the rack is uh, Dutch Boy White Lead. And it's this little court can but it weighs about 15 pounds because wet lead is very heavy. Um, but yeah, we have, we have little piece of paint history all throughout that kind of remind us of the past. We're lucky our company has been around for 48 years. Mm -hmm. So we've been able to acquire some unique pieces of history over time. That's cool, man. All right. So let's talk about your org chart, what your company looks like. Yeah. Yeah. Um, our company's pretty big. Uh, at the top, and I, I think I should first start by saying our org chart is for this year. It's it's current time. It constantly moves. Every time you have uh, someone moving up, over, or out of the company, the org chart change. It gets updated. Um, when you're small, you should have an org chart 
based on um, a role, right? And it's okay to have, you know, one person's name in many boxes on the org chart. But as you grow and develop, you should start to think of, okay, how do I get my name out of so many boxes and put new names in? Yeah. And um, what we do is we set an org chart based on our hiring priorities for the future. So we have an org chart for today, which is actual. And then we have an org chart for the next three years that's theoretical based on where we want to grow. So if we want to grow, let's just say 10% a year, year over year. And that means in, in three years, we'll be, you know, $10 million more in total top line revenue. Then we reverse engineer what that looks like. Okay, well, how many salesmen do we need to bring on to get that additional 10 million in revenue? Okay, and then what's the sport that goes around the sales team? How many project managers? Um, how many crew leads? So there's like these little formulas that you come up with to create teams to make sure that that, that Frisbee on the pencil doesn't dip down too far in one side. Everything should kind of even out over time. And then you, you plan for those key hires. Those are your hiring priorities and you discuss with your team or when do we want to execute on those hires? All right. Okay. We need a salesman. Do we need a salesman Q1 of next year or Q3 of next year? And that's what, you know, starts to promote, you know, the conversations and then your, your goals are what comes out of those. And some of those are their hiring goals or other goals to create systems or refine processes that you have to make sure that you're ready for that growth and you're anticipating it. And you could be proactive, not just like, oh my God, I'm reactive. Sure. I like it, man. So the the first thing you had mentioned was sales, you know, modeling it off of sales. Is that that seems like the most intuitive way to do it? Is that how you would recommend pay, painting companies model their org chart and plan their hiring? Just start with sales. What are your sales goals and work backward? I think it really depends on what stage of business that you're in. If you really go back to the beginning, Brandon, and you have you know, your owner operators out there and they're kind of doing it all. They have to identify what their strong suits are. You know, maybe that owner operator's strongest asset is, you know, running, running the crews, working in the field, making sure that the quality of the work is being upheld and the jobs are getting done timely and you're making money on your projects. But they're kind of an introvert. They're not great customer facing people. So maybe that person should hire a salesperson, right? Um, maybe it's the opposite. Maybe it's, Hey, I'm, a, I'm, I'm great talking to people, but I don't really know what a good paint job looks like. So they need to hire an operations guy. So it's, it's, I think it's dependent on your organization. You have to look inside the most important thing. And that I've learned from our business coach that I want to give a shout out to uh, that's Brian Nolan from um, Nolan Consulting. He's been our coach for the last three years. They're outstanding. They've really helped our company get to the next level. And then our individual coach is uh, is Jared Bias. Um, and Jared's company, give me a second. I want to make sure I get this right. He's with Common Good Family Business Advisors. And, you know, he helps coach us. Um as a company with our leadership team, he comes to our board of directors meetings and he does some one-on-ones with uh, our president, my brother. So, you know, get, getting the right coach to assist your team get to the next level, I think is invaluable. And I'd recommend every single person, no matter what size you are to invest in a business coach. Right. Um, and then the next concept is when you're creating the structure of your organization, um, keep in mind to continue to push to get yourself out of the hourglass, meaning create the structure in a way that the decisions don't have to come through you anymore. And that's really what the org chart design is. It's how to get yourself out of every decision, how to have other smart people help you run the business so that you can be more efficient, more effective, and more streamlined for growth. Because if every decision has to go through you, then you're only as fast as, as you are. Um, and it's going to be a lot harder for you to move up and on to the next level. Yeah. Wow, that's a lot to unpack. Okay, so the so you do 
business coaching through Nolan Consulting Group. Jared Bias is your coach. So for the people who are listening, I've, I've heard a lot about Nolan Consulting Group. I'm not, I don't know everything about it. Would you recommend them or, or do they kind of start at a certain revenue threshold and maybe there's someone who's better earlier on or what are your recommendations? I think for 95% of the painting contractors out there, Nolan Consulting Group is the right fit. And, and they have contractors that are uh, 1 million or less in total revenue right now. And they have contractors that are uh, 45 million plus in revenue. So they've got the gamut. Uh, the cool thing about Nolan Consulting is a lot of their systems that they encourage their members to utilize are based uh, off of an existing paint company that Kevin Nolan runs, who's also a partner in Nolan Consultant, uh, called Nolan Painting out of the Philadelphia area. They're one of the country's largest residential painting firms, been family owned. They're over 40 years old. They employ, I think, over 200 contractors. And another shout out, Kevin, the owner who's transitioning out of his business, he's selling it to his four children, just wrote a book that launched last week that I can't recommend enough called Organizational Muscle. I read that book in five days. It was over six and a half hours, one I couldn't put down. It really spoke to me as a business owner. Um, and I, I think every one of your listeners would benefit from reading that book. So go out and get Organizational Muscle. I got on Amazon and I got it through Audible. Great read. It talks about a lot of the stuff that we're talking about today, and it really helps compartmentalize kind of the steps you need to take as a business owner to kind of slowly advance up the ladder. So, um, yeah, Nolan Consulting is a great coach for any contractor that's looking to get to the next level. They have one-on-one -on -one coaching for the owners. They do coaching for your sales team, for your project managers, and they also have mastermind groups that they put together. So like I'm in a legacy group, which is larger contractors. We meet a few times a year and we share best business practices and financials. So, I mean, we go deep into it to make sure that we don't have to recreate the wheel. We learn from each other to make our wheels more efficient. Yeah, it's so great. <clears throat> yeah, I can't recommend business coaching enough either. So the, the people who are listening to this podcast, our listeners, they're investing themselves, they invest in education, they're, they're learning, taking the time to learn this stuff. But when you combine that kind of natural curiosity, uh, getting stuff from the free podcast, things like this, and then you combine it with more structured coaching program or more structured system, the results will really compound themselves. So if you're not doing something like that, obviously, if you're not a member of the PCA, join the PCA. If you're not a member of some sort of structured coaching group like Nolan Consulting Group, that can really, really help propel you. Um, okay, another thing I wanted to dive into here. So when we're talking about, you talked about the hourglass or sort of a lot of people call it being the bottleneck, you know, having to go through you with decision points and, and the whole organization sort of stops and waits on the owner to give the go ahead or, or say what's actually going to happen. Another, another thing to think about is really labor, especially for the smaller companies. It's not even as much necessarily a decision point as is another pair of hands, right? Someone who actually just needs to get things done. Um, which then leads to the natural next question of systems versus people, right? There's one school of thought, hey, make your systems world-class, really get those SOPs dialed in, and then the people are sort of secondary. You plug them into the system and, and it's easier to just kind of make it work because the system's almost dummy-proof. The other school of thought is hire an expert, subject matter expert, and they'll actually create your system for you or help you with it when maybe you don't have the most refined of systems. Do you have a preference? Um, we're in the people business, so it's all about having the right people around you. So people first, but you know, without systems, it's hard to scale up. You got to make sure that you have a standard operating procedure for every piece of your company. Um, so once you have the right people, they help create the systems, and then the people run the systems. The systems can't run by themselves. There's no magic AI that's back there that's just you know doing the work for you. Give it um, another year or two. We'll see. <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> Chat, GPT is going to help run your business. Yeah. No, I mean, look, there are tools, there's things through technology that we embrace, but ultimately, you know, we're service business, which means your people help make it happen. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, that's, and that's, again, part of the key is 
even when you're looking to scale up, you have to look to your left and right and say, okay, who are the people that I can see on my leadership team? Who are the people at the top that are my integrators? Typically as a business owner, you're, you're the visionary, right? You're, you're setting the primary aim for the company of, of where you want to be in five years. And then you're reverse engineering it back to today. And then you're, you know, creating these priorities along the way to help get you to the next step. Okay. Here's what 30 days looks like. Here's 90 days. Here's a year, here's three years, here's five years. And you're communicating that vision all through the culture that you've designed to make it a fun place to work. Um, but you need the people to help execute that. You need these integrators that you can say, okay, here's the game plan. I'm getting buy-in. Everybody knows what success looks like. Now go. And who's actually putting in the work? Who is running the ops so you can run the sales, right? Or vice versa. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It's a uh, it's not one of those things you can have just one or the other, you know, in terms of the SOPs or the people you can great, great people. If the co company is a total mess, it's not really going to work. And the SOPs, if you just put put in a total dud, like you said, we're in the you know service business. So a service business relies on people, relies on customer service, relies on all that stuff uh, very heavily. So let's let's kind of back up and let's just make up artificial company, you know, Bob's house painters. Let's say Bob's house painters is just Bob. Bob's out there. He, he started, he's grinding away. He's working. He, he's got big ambitions. Bob wants to get the, I mean, we're, we're talking about big company growth. So let's talk about 10 million. Bob just started. He wants to get to 10 million. What would you recommend? Again, recognizing every company is different. Every situation is different. What would a potential hiring roadmap for Bob look like if you sat down with him and he said, hey, Dave, I want to get to $10 million. What should my roadmap look like? I mean, the, the very first piece of any company and any real good business book will, will talk to you about this um, is mission, values, vision. Those things have to be in place before you can say, oh, we're scaling up, right? Because that's kind of like the building blocks. So, you know, mission to me is like the why. Like, why are you doing this? Wait, what is, what it, what's in it for you? Why a painting business? What, it, what how are you different? How are you providing value? What does it mean to you to do what you do? What, why? Because um, that has to speak to people because $10 million is a big company. And if you're going to get there, other people that are on your team need to know the why. And then your values. Okay, what's what's important? What are what do, what do you stand for? When you have to make that really hard decision, has to be filtered through a value system so you know it's in line with your company values and what's true to you and to your firm. And then the vision is, okay, 10 million in revenue, that's one piece, great. How do we get there? What is our geographic territory that we're going to be working in? Who is our target customer? Are we going residential repaint? Are we going new construction through GCs? Are we going direct owner? Like, what does that look like? Let's let's actually think about this and create the plan. So those are like the building blocks that you're going to start at. Um, you're going to create these this vision towards the future. And for us, after we had kind of our five-year vision, then we start breaking it down and like, all right, what are the key priorities? Like what, what are, what are the, the pillars that make up that vision, the building blocks again, but let's get a little more granular. And for us, the four key pillars to our organizational growth um, are growth, right? Organizational structure, team development, and operational improvements. Those are the four categories that speak to the vision of our company. And then within each one of those, we broke down little pieces. So I'll, I'll break it out. So for growth for us, we're gonna grow through acquisitions, through strategic partnerships, through diversification, through gaining additional market share and profitability. For organizational structure, that's gonna be through org chart planning, cascading our goals, acquiring outside talent and promoting from within and through our vision and values. Through team development, it's going to be through education and elevating our current team 
through creating a, a unique culture that people want to be a part of, holding each other accountable, regular coaching, continuous hiring and decision-making, and operational improvements include incorporating new technology, holding effective meetings, file structure, and finding larger facility to help with our growth. So that was through these deep leadership meetings that we had with our core team at the top of the org chart. And we took a deep dive into different aspects of our business and said, yeah, th this is what makes sense. And again, it's just another layer that we can look at these individual you know, uh, growth lines and say, is this a fit or not? Um, does it feel right? Are we heading in the right direction? Um, is this in line with our values, vision, and mission? Um, and now we can really analyze, okay, if we already get there, what are the gaps that we need to fill in order to do so? And those gaps become your goals. Yeah. Once you get a certain amount of goals in place, you start you know, getting buy-in from the management team. You cascade those goals down through each individual's. And on our one-on-one -on -one meetings, you have um, each one of the teammates taking on a portion of that goal to help get it accomplished in the time frame that the leadership team expects. There is so, so much. It's a whole plan. It's a whole process. Yeah. This is I, I kind of just I threw it all up on you right there. But yeah. we can we can slow it down as much as you want. No, that's great, man. So we have a lot to unpack here. So <clears throat> Going back to Bob, Bob says, hey, you know, I'm in, I'm new in business. I got I have big ambitions, right? I want to get to $10 million. The first thing that you really focused on is number one, $10 million is a big company. So recognizing the ambitiousness of the goal, first yeah. and foremost, but also recognizing that a big company, the values, the vision, stuff like that is, is probably much more important in a big company than it even is in a small company because the owner doesn't have his, his or her thumb on everything it's going to start to become its own entity operating really without the owner, whether or not the owner even wants that just because that it's too big for the owner to control everything. So if you have not successfully instilled those values, like you said, driving decisions through the primary values of the company, if you haven't successfully uh, created the vision and really gotten everyone bought in and understanding the vision of where, where you're going, things are going to start to really fall apart. Yep. And I think that's such an easy thing to overlook. Yeah. I mean, you know, in, in our business, and I remember early on, you know, you know, I grew up through the business, right? My father, you know, had the business in place even before I was born. So my whole life, all I knew was Alpine painting and watched my father kind of go through these highs and lows, you know, almost like the stock market. And he would tell me even early on, as I started to work with him in my winter and summer breaks that, look, Dave, not every year is a profitable year. You know, and you're going to have good years and bad years. And, and we saw that some years he would make more money than he ever dreamed of. And then some years he would lose money and he'd be like, all right, you know, we got to we got to tighten up family spending. Let's go family meeting. Everybody get together. You know, it's going to be a tough next three months, guys. And we're like, OK, you know, so it's like that. That's what happens in business. And you have to prepare for that. You have to prepare for you know, that rainy day and the fact that not every year is guaranteed to be profitable. So the more you can create stability in the structure of your company and having a plan for slow and controlled growth, the better off you are at limiting that instability. Yep. Yeah. The slow and controlled growth, ensuring that your quality control is in place, ensuring that the right people are there with the right metrics. Uh, all of that. And I think the ups and downs just in general is its own good thing to understand because we're all, we're all sitting here thinking about Bob with his $10 million painting company. You would think Bob's raking it in, right? Bob never has a financial concern again in his life, but maybe he actually does have financial concerns. When you have big companies, I think we all know as business owners, it doesn't necessarily mean you're making a tremendous amount of money. Hopefully your company is structured well enough, but there are rainy seasons, there are downtimes. So don't think you're just fully out of the woods when you get to a certain revenue number because that's not the case yeah revenue is vanity profit is sanity yep. which means don't chase that 10 million dollar figure that number means nothing to us in fact there are guys in our area right painting contractors that are double our size and we're friendly with them and through conversation when we start talking about 
their business dynamic and, you know, customer base and profitability and gross margin and net profit and all this, you find out that, yeah, they're double the total top line revenue, but at the end of the day, their gross profit and net profit is half or at the same as what you are, right? So if, if you're at 40% margin for gross and they're at 20% margin for gross, but they do double you, they're making the same amount of money that you are, but they have double the amount of projects, double the amount of headaches, probably not servicing their customers as good as we can because we have more control. The, the, the top line revenue means nothing. Be at a, a, a point where you can make enough profit so that your company can continue to grow, that you can have stability and a comfort level as far as overhead and management so that you can service your customers and be the best version of, of yourself. Just because you're 10 million doesn't mean you're making money, right? You know, not opening up the books and seeing, like you just said, just because you're a big company doesn't mean you make money. They don't correlate the same. Be a, be a well-run company. Be a well-structured company at any revenue point. That's what you should be focused on. Yeah. No, that's great advice. Yeah, revenue, at least some minimum, minimal scale, you know, whether that's maybe half a million or, or whatnot to where you can actually get some people in the business helping you gives you options. You get to some yes. minimal scale, you can afford to, to bring on a person, two people, you can start to get help. Above that, it's really a nice to have. So yes. your, your focus should really be first and foremost on getting your, your house in order, so to speak. And then growing, not vice versa. And I think we get we get so hung up because it's just an easy metric. I mean, obviously, I'm super guilty of it. It's what the whole podcast is based on, right? Painting companies that do over a million a year in revenue because you know those companies that do, they figure something out. They're yeah. usually not a total dumpster fire. They're usually doing all right. And a lot of people aspire to that. But it's super important to recognize, to see that goal through a clear lens, not a, not a rose-filtered uh, lens. So you know when you get there, you want to make sure you get there the right way. So you dropped a lot of knowledge bombs, Dave, with the, with the key priorities. So you have the mission, values, vision, then you went to your four pillars, and then you went, what are the things under the pillars? What did you call all that? The, the priorities. Those are basically priorities. individual priorities for each one of the pillars. Okay. So then you have all these priorities. So that's a lot. That yep. That's a lot of stuff you put there. How, how do you guys implement that in your day-to-day? -day? Is that, hey, you're going to review it quarterly? How do you actually, all those different priorities that you have, their acquisitions, for example, organizational planning, you know, team development. How are you guys implementing that? Yeah. So <clears throat> I think the one way that we kind of navigate through everything that I just shared with you is we take our team on a regular basis and we have meetings, right? So I think it's important to talk about our meeting guide. Um, but first, we have, if you look at the structure of our company, it goes back to the org chart, at, at the very top is um, our board of directors. So our board of directors kind of has two meetings a year and they talk more strategy about the company. They'll look at our strategic plan year over year and they'll give us advice, they'll make recommendations um, and, and kind of help say, yeah, you're on the right track or not, or just move it over a notch. Um, in June, at the last minute, we have, we have a meeting coming up in, in less than a month uh, for the end of the year with the board of directors. But in June, we were crushing it Q1, Q2, and they said, um, yeah, we're moving your, your top line revenue up. I think you could do more than what you're shooting for. You're and, and we had a restructure based on their recommendations. So, you know, the goal was X and now it's going to be Y. Um, and in turn, we had to hire a few more people in order to do that. And that was, it was like a push goal, but I'm glad they did because we, we are on target to hit that new push goal now. And if it wasn't for them kind of, you know, giving you a little boost and, and encouraging you and challenging you, we wouldn't have got there. So that was great. Um, below them, we have our leadership team and that comprises of, the president of our company, uh, who also holds other titles on the org chart, he's the head of uh, a people and process, which is our HR division. Um, yeah, myself as director of marketing, I also hold a few positions. Uh, ben, our other owner, so the three of us are equal owners. He's 
um, director of sales, and then our director of ops uh, is a guy by the name of John Prego, great individual. Um, so glad he's on our team. And the four of us make up the leadership team. And we have monthly meetings with a facilitator, our business coach, Jared. And we talk through kind of the strategic plan. You know, what do the next 90 days look like? What are our priorities? How do we refine our goals and make sure that they're being um, accounted for? Management team meets four times a year. One of those we just had, which is a strategic meeting. So in Q4, we talk about the gaps of the company based on those priorities. And we brainstorm for a full day about how do we fill those gaps? What are some of the goals that we need to create to fill these gaps to help get us closer to our vision? And we're getting buy-in from all the key managers of the company. And then it goes back to the leadership team, goes back to the management team. And ultimately, within about three months, we put this thing into a blender and we come up with our 40 key goals for 2024. And that's the five-year guiding document that gets rolled out at the beginning of every year, which talks about what five years looks like. We reverse engineer it to today, and it has our 40 goals, and everyone in the company has uh, a responsibility to hit a portion of those goals. In fact, there's names associated to each one of those. Typically, it's a manager's name or a leader's name next to it. But within these goals, there's many tasks that can be a part of a larger goal, and it trickles down, it cascades down to every individual so that their one-on-one -on -one meetings, they know what their tasks are to help accomplish the goal. So it all kind of flows back up. Everybody owns a piece of, of one of those goals, and we're monitoring over time if we're on task or not in order to hit these goals in the right time frames. So you said four zero, 40 goals. Yeah, 40 goals. How did you guys come up with that number? <clears throat> Um, it was just a number that kind of organically came to fruition. Every goal has to be smart. Um, you know, the acronym, like specific, measurable, attain attainable, realistic, time bound. Um, so it has to be like a real tangible goal that you can acquire, but the 40 felt like it, it was the right number. The, the first year we, we tried, <coughs> we, we didn't do well. We got a little more than half done. About 27 were complete. Um, and this is still a new strategy for us. Um, this is only about three and a half years old. Uh, second year, we crushed it. Um, we got, I think, 35 out of the 40 goals accomplished, which you know we said going in, we're a little upset we didn't hit more goals. This is the year of the goal. We're hitting our goals. Um, and then this year, they're about to be rolled out you know, for 2024. And again, we have about 40 goals. They're pretty ambitious and we're excited about them. And we get the whole company jazzed up and behind these. These are socialized goals. These are goals that people take ownership of. They are absolutely obtainable goals. And uh, and and we get buy-in from the whole team to make sure that these aren't just, you know, four people that are responsible for completing it. This is throughout the entire company. Everybody's got a piece of the pie. Yeah. So when you get the buy-in, you you spread this to everybody, they get excited. Do you do any sort of incentive-based compensation, any sort of competitions, anything like that? Um, we are not a huge company that surrounds themselves on like comp plans regarding like if you do this, you get a pay for performance for that. The one thing we do is we we pay our people very well. We have really good um compensation plans that include bonuses, but it's not broken down to the level that um, it's so complicated, so hard to manage that it, it's, you know, you need three people to work for you just to manage a comp plan. Um, but the one thing I will say is at the end of every year, if we are successful, we take about half of the profits of the company and reinvest them back into the business as far as equipment or into a fund to find future investments like a new building um, for our welding division or uh, a new office so that we can expand and grow. And then the other 50% of the profits get distributed up by all the employees for bonuses. Um, and it's currently on a discretionary level, but we analyze with the help of 
every one of the managers of like who's crushing it, who's not, who's hitting every one of their goals, who's falling behind. Um, and through our one-on-one -on -one process, we have a pretty good idea of like who are our contributors. You know, it's easy in sales because you can see from a metrics base, okay, how much revenue they bring in and how profitable was it? It's harder when it's, you know, an overhead position. So we try and be as fair as possible and people get raises and people get pretty healthy bonuses here. Uh, and that's the incentive to, you know, want to be a part of it. Yeah, recognition is important. Having a great company culture is important. But yeah, you also have to pay well and make sure people feel it in their pockets. Sure. So you, I mean, that sounds pretty great, man. That sounds pretty generous. So you, when you guys have a good year, you take half of it, you'll reinvest in the company, then you'll literally take half the profits and distribute it as bonuses to the entire team like a profit sharing funnel. Yeah, and that includes the owners too. Yeah, that's good, man. So it's yeah. a, essentially a profit sharing model. I think so. It works for us. It has worked. You know, the trick is to make sure you make money year over year, right, Brandon? Because <laughs> that model key. sucks when you don't make any money. <laughs> yeah, and people aren't as happy. That's right. Are you able to provide us a couple examples of goals, whether for 2024 or just previous goals? Yeah, sure. So some of our existing goals, again, are centered around hiring priorities. So some of the hiring priorities for us include, um, I want a new commercial salesman in Q1. I want a new industrial salesman in Q3. I want a, a welding salesman in Q4. So those are some of the hiring priorities. And again, now that we're bringing on three salesmen, I need to bring in one additional project manager to assist with that. It's like a three to one ratio is, is typically the sweet spot for us. Um, and then because of where we are, we're actually bringing on another admin to help support kind of the functionality in um, both with timekeeping and scheduling. So that's where they'll be supporting. So those are, you know, like Right off the bat, those are five positions that we, we're going to add in for next year. Um, and then it's refining certain pieces of our technology. So another hire that we want for an intern is a technology coordinator. They're going to be an internship, typically December and January, which is when college students have offer breaks. So we're interviewing now for that role. And they're going to assist us with each one of our technology platforms to Kind of connect the dots to help with API pushes and pulls, so information flows streamlessly from one platform to the next, eliminating you know duplicate entries, and you know working on some reports and some smart sheets that makes us a little more effective as a company. Um, a big company initiative for us this year is refining our painter training program. Um, we want a very clear career ladder with skill sets tied in so that everyone understands how to move from one level to the next, what are the pay scale ranges at each level, um, and that it's more than just a skill set, that we are evaluating our people based on their culture, you know, how they show up every day, what's their attitude, what's their work ethic. There are specific metrics that are being calculated. Um, we're evaluating them based on their leadership ability. You know, how do they um, command the respect from their team? How do they, um, you know, are they looking to help get to the next level or are they just happy with where they're at currently? Um, we have, let's see, I'm reading through them right now. Um, we have implemented, you know, an onboarding process, which is constantly being refined so that when you have a new hire, they feel like they're the most important person at the party. You know, they're welcomed into the family. They are taught our mission, values, and vision right out of the gate. They they um, are acclimated to who their crew lead is if they're in the field or their supervisor is if they're in the office. Um, they're embraced by everyone else who knows what their nickname is, their favorite sports team, and, and uh, you know, their background. So you know, they can, you know, be welcomed. Um, so yeah, those are, those are a couple. And then, you know, there's so many that are just less glamorous about, you know, financial reporting and different reports as far as budgeting and whatnot. But yeah, I, I, you have to find these goals that speak to your company, meaning 
again, what are the current gaps? Let's, let's just spend a series of a few days, many hours doing a SWOT analysis. What are your strengths? What are your weaknesses, opportunities, and threats? Typically, your weaknesses, opportunities, and threats are going to determine what your goals are going to be. And you have to just keep asking the right questions to understand, is this the right goal for the right time period? And if so, who's going to own it? And that's the other important thing. Look, these goals are big and over-encompassing, but only one person can own it. They can create a team to help them accomplish it, help them complete some of these tasks, but ultimately... One person has to be accountable for making sure it gets crossed to the finish line. Yeah, that accountability is huge, man. This is amazing. A lot of lot of uh, golden nuggets in here. So, the were you involved in the PCA painter training development? Yeah, I'm. I'm currently the head of the that. of that committee. Yeah. Okay, I figure we'll put a plug in there. So PCA does have painter training. I know, Dave. I think you might even be adding more to it. But if you are a PCA member, if you're listening and you're not a PCA member. Included in membership is actual painter training course that you can take and give to your team. Yeah. I mean, we utilize that for my craft workers. You know, that's the skill sets that we incorporate align directly with those videos. So when they look at their position description and the, and the career ladder, and it shows that they have to, you know, master uh, masking and taping, then it correlates them to watch a video to kind of get uh, an understanding of what's involved, learn some tips and tricks. And then their crew lead has to verify that, yeah, they can successfully complete that task in the field. So it's just a series of different checkpoints that, you know, you're going to grade them on. And painter training through PCA even has an evaluation form that we started using and customized so that you can say, okay, yeah, here's the skill set. And did they get a one, which is outstanding, or did they get a four, which is insufficient? And then you can grade them over time. So yeah, huge plug to PCA for creating pattern training because that's, again, a tool that we use to help train our guys in the field. Yeah. And for everyone listening, you know, don't get overwhelmed. We're talking about structure for big time growth. Dave's company is very, very big. It's probably a lot bigger than yours. Don't get overwhelmed. Take the concepts, take the understanding, apply it to your business, be patient with yourself. But one of the things, Dave, that you said was this onboarding we don't really think about onboarding for employees or team members that much. We typically will we'll think about what's a customer experience. What does that look like when you engage them? But when we bring on a new team member, we're not as focused in it. And this idea of just treat hiring like sales all the way up until the onboarding to how you actually treat your team member, that's huge. And it's something that big companies like Dave's do well. Yeah, we're going to actually talk about that in our next episode, right? Yep. Where we try and develop your next level of leaders, how you mentor your team to step up in an organization and really help produce. And that's through clarity and that's through support and that's through having a great culture so that they feel that they're a part of something that they believe in. And that's really important. A lot of companies, Brandon, always say, oh yeah, customers are number one. Yeah, our customers are number one, but guess what? Our employees are more important than our customers. Make sure your employees feel the love as much as your customers do, because they're the ones supporting your customers ultimately. Yep. Yeah, we we have had um, we had a run in. I remember at Painter Marketing Pro some time ago. I think it was about a year ago. There was a, a partner we call our customers partners. There was a partner being particularly difficult to the point it was is borderline inappropriate with one of our team members, and I had to step in and and take a hard line. You know, essentially siding with our team member. We ended up parting ways with that partner, but at that point it was time to do that anyways. But it ended up being a positive thing internally. Because when you can show your team, hey, I have your back, they are much more prone to have your back and become much more loyal and excited about working at your company. So do take that yeah. line that your team is really is number one. The customer is kind of number 1.2. There you go. Right. <laughs> we don't want to call it number two, but <laughs> you have to value your team. You have to respect your team because happy employees, happy team members make for happy customers. They make for a healthy company. You said it. Uh, another thing, so as you know, Dave, I, I'm always trying to drill down, right? Like on this on this um, podcast, my whole focus is what can what can listeners take and then apply directly. Mm-hmm. So I try mm-hmm. to really really drill, and you don't know what you don't know. So as we're listening to to you talk about your org structure, to you talk about all these different meetings and and goals, and you know some pretty sophisticated heavy stuff here. It's a lot of thoughts obviously been given to it. 
uh, and someone's listening, maybe they're they run a much smaller company. Maybe it's a million, maybe it's half a million, whatever it is. How can they even even sort of map this out in their head? Obviously, what a coaching program would that be the way to do it? Are there any yes. resources they can do yes. on their own? Coaching. Yes, absolutely. I mean, look, I look back at the history of our company and through bootstrapping, through a lot of hard work, uh, a lot of imbalance, right? I didn't see my father a lot when I was younger because he was constantly trying to grow this company. Um, they made it, right? It sure will. But I wouldn't recommend that for anybody today trying to start their business. Uh, I think family and work balance is really important and it shouldn't be one at the expense of the other ever. So for me, having someone to help hold me accountable, having someone to keep me pointed at that North Star uh, was is, is vital for us to step up and get to the next level. I mean, we're already an established company. We already have a lot of systems, but you don't know what you don't know. So when we had a coach that came in, I was like, all right, let me analyze what you have. Yeah, you have a lot of great things, but you're missing this. You're missing that. I would recommend you reframe and restructure. Um it made all the difference in the world to us. And there were a lot of things, Brandon, at the beginning that they didn't click. I had to hear certain concepts two and three times before I'm like, oh, that's how I apply it into my business. Oh, that's where it makes sense for me to pass the information down. That's what they mean by cascading it down two levels so they understand it. Um, to be a better leader is to be a better delegator. It's almost a different mindset. You have to get out of, oh, I can just do it better myself into, I'm going to be a coach. I'm going to be a mentor. I'm going to take more time than what it should take to teach somebody how to fish so that I don't have to keep catching them fish in the future. And that, I think, is really what's going to take us to the next level and help get us um, on a trajectory for that continued, consistent growth over time. So yeah, Going back to it, the structure and the accountability was all in place from the coach. They have a lot of the answers. They have the format and they're going to have the consistency for you because what happens with uh, business owners, especially with growing companies, there's always more and more and more and you're getting stuck on the urgent. You're doing, you're putting out the fires and you're not spending enough of your time on the important items that are going to get you to that next step. So that coach always brings you back to focus to say, yeah, 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 I know you had to put out that fire, but immediately get back on task to the important things that are going to help ramp you up and get you to the next level. Yeah, I know I've needed that. So I'm going to basically come in, grab you by the collar, pull you out and be like, hey, you're not thinking about this the right way. If, yep. you, if you went and you focused on X, Y, or Z, you set some time aside here, you'd have to, you wouldn't have to keep putting out the same fire over and over again. That's right. Yeah. I mean, we have these meetings, which we'll go into in the next session called the Big Five, right? Here's a teaser for wanting to see the next one. Um, there are one-on-one -on -one meetings with every one of my employees. Everyone that reports to me has a Big Five meeting once a month. We have annual goals, which are just five of your key goals for the company. And then we have accomplishment goals. Like, what did you accomplish in the last month? What do you want to accomplish for next month? And they should all kind of relate to your Big Five goals. And I act as a coach, a mentor, and accountability partner to make sure that they're accomplishing them in the right order. I support them. I'm their partner. I'm their teammate. Um, when they have a challenge, I help guide them and, and, and sometimes start throwing it on my back to help them accomplish their goals. If everyone has that mindset where they have to not only look out for themselves, but look out for the two or three people to the left and right, man, you can go a lot further, a lot faster. Yeah. Okay. So another thing I like to accomplish in this podcast, and that I do have a platform, is to help people better deal with things that I've had to deal with. And I know one of the things I've had to deal with is when you're building a business, you have the sense of guilt because you have a family, you have other commitments, and and you suffer from that mentally and emotionally yep. because you you're taking care of your family, you're, you're taking care of future family, current family, whatever it is, because of what you're doing right now is obviously right. much worse if it's a current family. Um, but at the same time, you're sort of not taking care of them because this idea that maybe you're neglecting them or maybe you're not being yeah. there as much. And, and a lot of us find ourselves in that tough spot. And you yeah. said something that I think was really, really good. When you started talking about coaching, you said you should not have success in one, both family and work at the expense of the other. And so yeah. often we're saying, Hey, don't work so hard that you lose your family or, but you're also saying, Hey, don't go spend all this time with your family and you lose their financial future and their freedom and you can't take care of them. 
And the way that you can balance those two things and not lose either is through maximizing your time and your efforts. And you do that through mentorship, through coaching, through being more efficient. So you can get the same amount of progress done with working fewer hours. Great recap, man. Well said. Brandon. Well, it struck me because no one ever really says that. No one says you should you shouldn't have one at the expense of the other. People always say, "Hey, don't don't lose sight of your family. Don't lose track of that work life balance." But the work life balance isn't about hey work more. It's about work less and have more life. It's never the other way. But the but but it's it's so easy to villainize work to villainize hard work. But we all need it. You have like you said, your dad wasn't there for a while. Maybe he didn't do it in, in the most efficient way possible. There really weren't as many resources available to him as there are to everyone listening to this. It just the industry wasn't the same. The culture wasn't the same. And, but now he made it. You said he made it. He got there. And now you have this, this company that you've been able to continue to grow with your family. You, you guys have a lot because of the sacrifice that he made. So you don't want to overly sacrifice if you don't have to. It does require some sacrifice. That's okay. You can know that it's okay, but try to be as efficient as possible. Don't be stupid in your growth. That's right. Know your priorities. Right. That's really important, both personally and professionally. What are the core values? What are the things that are most important to you that you will not sacrifice? You know, and, and I I put on not only goals for our company that align to me specifically, but I have goals for myself personally that I need to hit so that I uh, am holding my truths to myself and to my family. Um, some of those are I'm, I'm home every day for dinner before six o'clock. We have family dinners, right? That's really important to me. Weekends are family time. Look, I can be on the phone, but we're traveling everywhere we go as a family and we're doing it together. Um, I make a priority to have me time every morning. Every single morning I wake up at 4.35 like clockwork with no exception, 4.35 I'm up and I have two hours to myself. It's my time, nobody could take it away. It's not for my business. It's not for my children. It's not for my spouse. It's for me because I feel if my cup is filled up tall, I will have enough to fill up all the other people I love around me. So you have to create these routines, these disciplines in life to know your priorities, to write them out and to put them on your calendar in a time block prioritized method so that you know you're hitting success, that you have a scorecard that you can keep track of. Are we on task? Are we are we not? And then having a good team around you, whether that's a coach or a business partner or a key leader that's also encouraging you and holding you accountable and get your ego out of the way. Because if that partner comes to you and goes, you know what, man, you really missed it this last week. Don't take it as an insult. Take it as a, that's a gut punch I needed to step back up and get back on track. Yeah. Yeah. I've done something similar. We call it kind of non-work time. I like sacred time. You carve that time out. Family dinners is huge. It's been it's been proven that it's actually really important for the development of the family and kids and, and all that. So family dinners, we have something called Sunday fun day, you know, no work. So have those, if you carve out those times, no matter how much you're working, but you, you, you honor them, then you don't, you don't totally lose yourself in the process of building your business. That's right. Dave, is there anything else you want to add on building your, your structure, you know, setting up your company structure for big time growth before we wrap up this second episode? I would say invest in your people. Again, I can't stress this enough. We are in the people business. As a service company, you're only as good as the people you surround yourself with. So make sure you're hiring the right people, have a strategy to do so. Make sure that they're very clear on the expectations for your company through position descriptions, through these one-on-one -on -one meetings, through having clear goals for them, and then help support them. Help encourage continuing education in each one of your teammates Encourage their growth in the organization, both personally and professionally. If you invest in your team, it will pay you back in spades. Thank you, Dave. Appreciate you, man. I'm looking forward Appreciate to you, Brandon. Three. Yeah, me too. If you want to learn more about the topics we discussed in this podcast and how you can use them to grow your painting business, visit paintermarketingpros.com forward slash podcast for free training, as well as the ability to schedule a personalized strategy session for your painting company. Again, that URL is paintermarketingpros.com forward slash podcast. Hey there, painting company owners. If you enjoyed today's episode, make sure you go ahead and hit that subscribe button. Give us your feedback. Let us know how we did. 
And also, if you're interested in taking your painting business to the next level, make sure you visit the Painter Marketing Pros website at paintermarketingpros.com to learn more about our services. You can also reach out to me directly by emailing me at brandon at paintermarketingpros.com and I can give you personalized advice on growing your painting business. Until next time, keep growing. Paynet podcasts are produced by the Painting Contractors Association and are made possible by members and industry partners. To find out more about upcoming education opportunities or for more information about joining PCA, visit PCAPainted.org. 